welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Argyle Chat. I'm here with both Baron Cross and Chris Errington who made the very long journey to Bradford and back over yeah. the weekend. How, how, how are you both feeling? All, all recuperated? Or? It seems to be like a hangover for a couple of days afterwards, but um, yeah, not, not too bad. I can't complain really, it's much easier when they won. I'm ready to do it again in a few weeks' time, Chris. Three weeks' time, we'll be back up at Valley Parade. Yeah, we, we saw all the sort of behind-the-scenes staff there, and they're very friendly and helpful in the sort of media area, and uh, we uh, said thank you very much for their hospitality and see you again soon. There's so, certainly uh, worse places to go, isn't there? You know, the, the media um, facilities are pretty good. There's a nice press room where uh, Barry and I could uh, work away uh, after the game and do the interviews and what have you, and... Um, you know, it's a, a very nice stadium. You know, it's it's not brand new, but it's big. Mm-hmm. It dominates the the skyline in the city. Um, you know, twenty thousand people there was was good. They made plenty of noise in the second half, and you know, should give a, credit, a mention to seven hundred and seventy Argyle fans who were there. You know, um, bottom of the table, yeah, November, cool. long way from home. Uh, get that many fans there. But it was one of those, Baron and I talked about it uh, in, in the car journey home, among, um, among many other things on the car journey yeah. home, but it's one of those, uh, you know, I was there sort of moments, you know, 24th place to Argyle, 3rd place Bradford, no Graham Carey, everyone thinks, oh, I've got no chance, mm. well, what are we bothered coming up here for? But you go in the hope that every now and then Absolutely. football surprises you, and uh, all those... Uh, all those fans uh, who went to Valley Parade on Saturday were, I'm sure, more than happy that they made that decision to do so. Did it remind you of the sort of championship days? I was wondering about that sort of crowd. Did it, did it remind you of that? or uh, A little bit, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's a big ground. Mm. And it was, you know, when Argyle were in the championship and you, you played at uh, West Ham and West Brom and Derby and Forest and Leicester and Stoke and all these sort of teams. So, yeah, I mean, Bradford are, are definitely a team that, you know, could compete in the, in the championship, no problem. So, um a bit like that, um, but yeah, we, you know, it, as, as Baron says, it's always nice to to have a long journey home, but you've got a, got a, a wind to, to write about and dwell on. And Baron, you said you spoke to me a bit before. So the noise was fantastic in the stadium. Yeah, it was. It always adds to the game. It was absolutely it? fantastic. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially in the second half when Bradford were on the on the on the attack for the equaliser, they were shooting towards uh, that huge cock that they've got behind one of the goals. If you, if you look on the TV highlights, it's to the right. Um, it's a, an enormous stand which curves all the way around the side of the pitch where Chris and I were watching the, the halfway line. And it, it, it reminded me a little bit of Anfield and, and the cock there with the way that there's this sort of saying that they suck the ball in mm-hmm. in the second half. You know, when they're chasing a goal, they'll always play second half towards the cock. And it, and it did, did have that effect, I felt, on them. On Saturday, certainly, thankfully, Argyle just defended so fantastically that they were able to sort of block and clear and intercept every sign of danger. But yeah, the, the noise was, was brilliant, it was deafening at times. And as you alluded to, Chris, there's no Graham Carey, and probably there weren't many people that would have been fancying Argyle for that tie, but a great typical Derek Adams away performance from last season. Yeah, I mean, Barron wrote the piece after the game, and, and it was exactly that. It was a classic Derek Adams away day performance. Um, I think we all knew pretty much what the team would be. Ainsworth came in for Carey, that was a, a, an obvious one to make. Uh, we pretty much knew it was going to be seven behind the ball, the four four defenders and the three centre midfield players, Fox Songo and Diagaraga. And uh, Bradford knew it. They'd been practising um, playing against backs of four and the, the, the game was no surprise. The, the only surprise was who scored the first goal. If Bradford had scored the first goal, could easily have gone on and been three or four nil. Yeah. Um, but Argyle got the first goal. And after that, then they had the game where they wanted it. Um, 
And you know, again, there's a point that Baron and I were talking about, but I think it's a very valid one, is that the way Argyle are lined up at the moment, and we've talked about ta- tactics endlessly on the podcast recently, mm-hmm. that you put those three centre midfield players in front of the back four, there is no way teams are going to play through you. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. That that gives that Argyle, that's, that, there's just no room. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Songo, Fox, Diagaraga in front of Bradley and Edwards, you're not getting through the middle there. So you are forcing the opposition to go wide. Um, now, the problem earlier in the season was that Argyle weren't defending very well when crosses came in the box. But we are seeing in the recent games, and Sonny Bradley particularly has stepped up, is that teams are forced to go wide. Sawyer and Taylor Sinclair are doing very well in, in terms of stopping crosses coming in, preventing the opposition from getting good quality crosses coming in. And then you've got Bradley, Edwards and Songo mopping up all the headers. And so you're almost playing to a strength because anyone who's seen Argyle uh, much at all knows that Bradley, Songo in particular and Edwards are all very strong in the air. And um, I, I thought Sonny Bradley was magnificent on um, on Saturday. He really was. I mean, I had no doubts giving him a 9 on 10. And, and some people say I'm a bit tight on the marks, but he was a definite 9 um, on Saturday. He, he won every header. and um, But... It was a collective team effort, wasn't it, Baron? I mean, yeah. they did come under pressure, and you, you're sat there a bit anxious. Are they going to concede? And Jake Reed smashed one against the crossbar, and obviously the penalty, which we can talk about if that had gone in. Mm. You know, that'd have been a very anxious last 10, 12 minutes. But Argyle had that game where they wanted it. The best way Argyle were going to win that game was 1 0 with a breakaway goal yeah. and defend for their lives afterwards, and that's how it panned out. One thing I wanted to ask you, Baron, is. They're, they're seemingly it's harder to score against Argyle at the moment are you noticing about the partnership between Edwards and Bradley sort of coming together a bit more now because everyone says it takes yeah, time for that to I think so yeah I mean it's, um, it's it's an easy thing to say isn't it when the defend, when, when the sort of defending is improving you say the partnerships are building and they're sort of getting a better understanding and I think that's that's absolutely true I think Sonny Bradley alluded, it, alluded to it after the Grimsby Town game he said that that sort of back, the back four and the three in front of them, they're all building an understanding now. They know where they need to be at set pieces. They know how they need to organise themselves when the ball is going wide because they know it is going to go wide because they know no one's going to play through them. So they're putting the opposition where they want them to, organising themselves, picking up the men they need to pick up and they know where they need to be and it's working very, very effectively at the moment. I think um, one difference I noticed to previous rear guard actions is that in the Blackburn game I wasn't confident at all Blackburn were attacking with such gusto yes. with such speed and Argyle weren't quite positioning themselves as well as they did at Barry and I was just every time Blackburn came forward I was thinking you know, this could be it the net could ripple but on Saturday I never really felt like that I mean the whole way through I mean in the first half Paul Taylor had a few decent long range efforts Charlie White had a decent stab at goal from the edge of the box each of those sort of went just wide or were tipped over or tipped onto the crossbar and that felt like the only way Bradford were going to score was Jake Reason and he proved in the second half he, he, he hit from outside the box hit the crossbar and it just felt like that, that unless it was going to take something amazing like that which you can't account for I, I didn't feel like Bradford were going to score it just felt like one of those days I was sort of, so solid do you think that's translated onto the pitch do you think the players feel like that as well Does, um, I think so yeah, I, mean, I, I think they're very sort of sure of themselves they know what their strengths and weaknesses are I think it's taken a few weeks and months to work mm. that out on where, where what, what their place is in League One how they're going to beat these teams they've worked that out now they've accepted they're going to have to play a, a fairly deep line they're going to have to sit there not close down people too much hold your position 
and head and clear and block everything that comes into that box. And you know, it, it's high risk. You're, you're inviting the ball into that final third. You're, you're, inviting, you're giving away territory, mm. but they're backing themselves to win that physical battle and that aerial battle. Um, as ever, we've had plenty of questions in from, from people that have uh, either been at the game or support our goal. One from Gary Palmer, who's a regular. Thanks for this question, Gary. He says, do you know if any of our injured players will be back in the squad for our next two home games? Despite being a huge fan of Luke McCormick, it will be really disappointing when Remy Matthews goes back to Norwich City. I'll be watching his future career of great interest. Thanks for the brilliant podcast. Thank you, Gary. That's a charmer, isn't it? He is. That's guaranteed to get his question answered there. Gary, you can't see it, but you put a smile on everyone's faces here, so thank you for that. Um... Yeah, Luke McCormick, um, I'm told, is, is not training at the moment. Might train next week, possibly. Um, so not um, an imminent return to action from him. Um, I can't see Argyle wanting to rush him back, particularly when Remy, Remy Matthews is doing so well and the last thing we need is Luke McCormick to come back and then have a, a recurrence of the injury that's kept him out for, for a long time now. And so I think Argyle will be cautious, although there are restrictions and, and things that they, they, they can't sort of let it go on for too long because people, the FA will be saying, look, you've had this dispensation mm-hmm. here for Remy Matthews, you, you can't keep him forever, he's only there while you haven't got a fit goalkeeper. So um, Remy Matthews has done extremely well, um, had another very solid game. Um, of the other injured players, um, Anthony Sarsavik was back as a sub on Saturday and looked reasonably sharp, so that was that was good. Ryan Taylor and uh, Nadir Shifchi played for 70 minutes um, against Tor Point in the Southwest Peninsula mm-hmm. League on Friday night. That was their first games back after injury, particularly good for Ryan Taylor to get a game under his belt. I suspect he was a bit stiff and sore yeah. after uh, having a, had a long layout. Haven't had a chance to um, find out from Derek Adams about how those two players came through that, so um, at some point in the week we'll bring you an update on, on Taylor and Shifchi and how their fitness is and, and when they might be available. Um, Oscar Threlkeld is, is still um, a situation that Derek Adams isn't very keen to talk about, that's certainly being kept under the wrap, mm, so I can't, really, I can't really give you too much of a, an insight into that. And obviously we've got the three goalkeepers, um, McCormick, I think, like I say, could be back sort of light training next week maybe um, Kyle Leverin was at Bradford on, yeah, he's on, on crutches on, on crutches and he's, he's going to be out for a long time so um, you know Taylor and Shifty uh, have, have played one South West Peninsula League game so let's see how they get on um, and um, you know Jamie Ness is, is out um, we'll find out about him mm. uh, later in the week so the injuries are, are clearing a little bit but they, they do seem awfully stubborn to, to go completely it's hard to get rid of those niggles mm. sometimes, isn't it? Mm. Um, Michael's asked a question on, on two of those players that are injured. Do Oscar Frelkod and Ryan Taylor deserve an automatic place in the team when fit? This is, uh, I guess it's was something we wouldn't have thought we'd be discussing a few mm. weeks ago, but suddenly I'll go around beating the six. This and is, Chris and I discussed this on Saturday we two, two or three times, I think, and mm. we were looking at sort of who's injured and, and who could come back and who we're looking forward to coming back, and they're the two names that jump out, Frelkod and Taylor, and... Um, I think on Saturday on my, my emotion, I can't remember if it was before or after the game but I think they were the two that I would have said unfortunately for two people in the current team I would bring them straight back in I think I would it's unfortunate for Aaron Taylor Sinclair but I would shift Sawyer across and bring Frelkeld in because he brings so much down the right and I think Ryan Taylor goes in up top because he is the preferred choice in that, in that tactic I think he does what Jake Jervis does but a little bit better I think he holds the ball a bit better and he can rely on the pace of the wide men however now I've had a couple of nights to sleep on it. I think given how well they are doing, I'm not so certain they will 
come straight back in. I mean, it, it's never going to be a, f- a fast process. I mean, Adams. I mean, when, when Throco came back, that was almost sort of against the grain. It's unlike Adams to throw players straight yes. in that quickly, and unfortunately for, for Adams and Throco, that came back to bite them. So I think when we say automatic place in the team, I think it, they're certainly in favour with Adams, but I don't think it's going to be a case of Taylor played a little bit on Friday night, he will start against Oxford. I think it will be a slow, organic process. So I think they, they, we may all see them off the bench two or three times, but I think it does depend on how the team performing. I mean, if, if they keep doing what they did on Saturday, Adams isn't the sort of man to change it. That's probably better though that after you rush back that they can't sit on the bench. Yeah, it, it is good. Yeah, I mean, if, if we were talking now about 15 or 16 matches without a win, then yeah, I mean, you could be doing whatever you can to change it. But given how well they're playing, I think it, I think it would be a little bit harsh to risk unsettling that progress they've got now. And one player that came in on Saturday, Chris, was obviously Ryan Wainsworth, whose pace mm. helped Argyle to get that goal. Obviously, Graham Carey now comes back into the mm. fold, and obviously going to the starting eleven for this yeah. weekend. Is Angels pushing for a place in, in the team somewhere? I think he's going to have to bide his time and uh, when he gets chances he's got to take them he did pretty well on Saturday he got the assist for the goal he had to do a lot of defending which I don't think is naturally what he wants to be doing um, but he, he did a job for the team played for just over an hour and then they put Sarsavik on for him just to try and tighten things up a little bit so I think Lane Langsworth might have to be patient but all you can do is take the uh, opportunity when it comes along and um, you know he didn't do himself any harm with that performance, but you know clearly Carey will go um, straight back into the team. Um, just on throughout Colton Taylor, you know Gary Sawyer's done, done a really good job at right back for a le- for an out and out left back yeah. to do the job that he's done at right back is is excellent. And um, you know Jake Jervis has his critics as we all know, but he he scored a good goal on on Saturday that won't do his confidence any harm at all. Um, can he play as a traditional target man and hold the ball up? No, um, but he can run in behind defences. He can just trouble um, opposition defences. So you know, at the moment, I, I wouldn't be tinkering with the team around t- too much. If and when Frelkeld and Taylor are ready for for a return to action on the bench and, and maybe you know ease them in, in that way, but um, I, I can't see the the pressing need to have either of them thrown straight in, even when they are fit. At the moment, a question from Henry. He said, "Argyle only have Nadir Chifchi in on loan, mm-hmm. excluding Remy Matthews yeah. uh, on, the, on the emergency deal. Should Derek Adams make a move for Remy Matthews on a loan deal until the end of the season in January? I don't think it's a coincidence. The upturn in form has coincided with his arrival. He's made some superb saves, and even though Luke McCormick has been a great servant, if Matthews is available, I think we should would be stupid to not try and get a deal done." Views on that? It's a, it's a it's a good question, Henry, um, and it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, Carl Everham isn't going to play much, if at all, for the rest of the season. Unfortunately, he did did a great job when he came into the mm-hmm. team, but it, that's that's a bad injury he's got. So um, he, unfortunately, is probably not going to figure too much. Robert Taloik's had a back problem that seems to have sort of gone on for a while, and there doesn't seem to be any sign of an immediate return. So the the one goalkeeper that you've got that could be close to returning um, is Luke McCormick. Now in January. You could sign Remy Matthews on loan. Um, I can't imagine Norwich would have a problem with that. Uh, he's their third choice keeper. Um, so if Leveran isn't going to be fit for pretty much the rest of the season, give or take, you know, a few weeks at the back end maybe, and Toloik's going to be injured long term, it's something you'd have to seriously consider. Um, I would have thought Norwich would be up for it. Um, they loaned him out to Hamilton last season. They they were happy to loan him out 
they, they don't know how long mm. they've loaned him out for because you know he, he's here on a week to week basis until Luke McCormick's fit so um, I think it's difficult to tell with, uh, with injuries and things like that and, and will Luke McCormick be back and fully fit and everything firing in, in January but it's got to be a possibility and, and Baron, obviously, if he keeps up these types of performances, there might be some competition in January yeah. for the services of Matthews. Mm-hmm. But do you think his arrival would only be if he was the first choice? Would Norwich want to send him out if he was back up to McCormick? Uh, that's an interesting point you raise. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I, I think the number one th- thought is what Adams' priorities will be in January. So I think we've got to see what the injury situation is in January, and he's got to prioritise because clearly things are going to have to change in January to, to, to keep our up this season. So. He's got to look at what what, thing, what what boxes he's got to tick, which positions he's got to get more coverage in. If everybody's fit, he looks like he has got coverage. I mean, I think we're all maybe accepting that, that Nadia Chifchi may well go back to Celtic in January if that's possible. So you'd be thinking maybe a strike is the number one priority. But you know, there's, there's, I think there's probably a little bit in the budget maybe to possibly get two or three loan signings in perhaps for the right kind of money. And if Roman Matthews keeps going the way he is, he's clearly got good rapport with the fans got a good rapport with the, with the teammates as we saw on Saturday from the way he saved that penalty everybody's all over his and patting, patting on the back Adams is clearly delighted with him I think if Luke McCormick was fit Randy Matthews would still be number one um, so if he came on on a normal loan deal and the FA couldn't get involved then it was a straight fight I think Matthews would be number one mm. and, it, and that would know, good good for Luke McCormick I think wouldn't it to, um, to uh, sort of motivate him a little bit if you like so I think December is quite an important month um, Luke McCormick's recovery is going to be very very important if he does get back before January we, we have got no idea I mean, he's been out for this long clearly it's not an injury that's going away quickly so if Luke does get back before January it's all about how he performs and, and, and if sorry Jack if if, um, if things sort of fall off a cliff for Argyle or if it looks like Luke's not quite performing the way Remy did then I don't see why Derek wouldn't at least go and ask the question but like you say I mean, if he plays the way he is yeah, yeah there could be better teams in League One or even lower struggling teams in their championship and might ask the question for Matthews Dave Stiles also raised the point I'll just point out because he did send the question in I have a slight concern for the future with Remy, Math- sorry, with Remy Matthews performing miracles in goal if and when we have a fit keeper he would have to automatically come back in there's a lot of pressure to perform and I think Luke's form at the start of the season was not great and Chris you know Luke very well He's, mm. you've, you've, you've worked here for a long time and mm. Luke's been at the club for a long time does he have that strength of character to come back into that situation? Oh absolutely yeah no doubt about that at all um he will be feeling very frustrated that he's not been able to be part of the team. Mm. He's the captain, so he'll be feeling that he's he's letting the team down in some ways. And um, you know, you can't help when you get injured. The injury is taking a lot longer to recover from than than everyone thought. Um, and you know, Derek Adams doesn't go too much into depth on players' recoveries and things like that. But it is clear that he's had a setback or two along the way, um, and it will be very frustrating for him. Um, He'd be pleased that the team are doing well at the moment, but he'll want to be part of it. Um, if and when he's fit, hopefully he'll be fit in the not too distant future, and he can play. And Baron's right. And you know, if he's playing in December, if he comes back in the team and plays like Luke McCormick's capable of playing, then the necessity for Remy Matthews to come back as good a keeper as Remy is um, decreases, and you might be able to use your resources in other areas. Um, you know, so it's it's an interesting one. Luke's form at the start of the season was not great. I'm not sure. I, I totally agree with that, Dave. I, I, you know, I don't think any of the Argyle players in that run in September time say were, were necessarily uh, on top form. But I, I think Luke, Luke had a good start to the season, to be honest. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an inter- it's definitely an interesting talking point because you know I, I've been impressed with Remy Matthews. Um, 
and I had a chat with him after the game on on Saturday. He spoke very well, and he's he's loving it. Mm-hmm. And why, why wouldn't he? He's played four games, three clean sheets, you know, three wins. He's conceded just one goal. You know, he's playing first team football. That's what it's all about. It yeah. can't be easy to come into the situation when you don't know how long you're going to be here. And, no. and obviously there was that penalty saving there. And what do you make of the penalty being given first of all? You were there. I mean, <laughs> I've seen the replay. I still can't work out really what it's for. I mean, yeah, it, it, I mean, you know what it's like, Jack. I mean, people who, who aren't in our job don't quite understand how frantic it is. I mean, mm. you, you get people get the impression that we're sat there. We just we watch every single second of the match, don't we? But unfortunately, we have got <laughs> our heads buried in our keyboards for, for quite a lot of the game. And I think at that moment. I think I I looked up and all I saw was was the header coming in. It was a good strong header and you know he was on target and, and Matthew saved it. And then as Derek Adams said after the match, it seemed to take quite a while before the referee then walked over and pointed to the spot. And we were all a little bit mystified and sort of I couldn't look at what he was pointing at at first. Uh, and then he obviously when you saw the Argyle players' reactions, you realise he's given a penalty. Um, and I sort of tried to play back the moment and the only thing I could see at the time from where we were sat was a look, look like a, a push if anything Vantelow was, was he was a diving header but he was, he was sort of quite an exaggerated position so it looked like Taylor Sinclair may well have given him a shove but for the benefit of, of the, the highlights it looks like it's more like a pullback mm-hmm. sort of Taylor Sinclair sort of half onto him he's sort of trying to pull back his, his left arm so he's been impeded I mean I don't know it's hard to, it's hard to get these decisions right isn't it I mean it, Vantelow's reaction was, was quite clear but players try and go for everything don't they I mean I probably wouldn't have given it I mean Derek Adams was absolutely seething with it I was so, going to say Chris you spoke to Derek Adams after the game I read your release he wasn't particularly happy he, he, he wasn't happy full stop really despite the win um, yeah I mean it's, it's difficult I mean I um, couldn't work out why it was given I've seen it on the on the replay and on the, on the TV highlights and nah, it wasn't a penalty you give a no. load of penalties away. No, I mean, if, if you give a if you give a penalty every time there's contact made between two players in a penalty area, you're leaving, making a rod for your own back. The one thing I thought the TV highlights did show was how far away the referee was from the incident. He was well outside the penalty area. Um, the linesman apparently didn't uh, give the penalty. It was on the say so. The ref, I think, he was in a poor position to, to do it. And I thought it was a poor decision. And Derek Hansen after the game didn't he? It's, he doesn't feel that like our goal let off. He felt that like the referee was let off from yeah. the penalty. Yes, phase. yeah. Drew, Drew Savage, uh, who's working for Radio Devon, sort of said to uh, said to Derek Adams about oh, how Remy Matthews had got Argyle out of jail, and uh, and Derek was very <laughs> swift to say no. Remy Matthews got the referee out of jail. <laughs> got a lovely little nuggets of goal like that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So um, Jack has sent a question in, not me. I'd like yeah. to add: Is it a great goal? Jake Jones can get them if the ball gets through to the area. Coaches have not convinced me they have the method right yet. Hopefully, more team attacks will now come. Goalkeeper position: a worry, or are my worries unfounded? So let's start with the goal. Great ball from David Fox, who set it all up, really, wasn't it? That is exactly what Fox has shown that he can do. Yeah, that's exactly what he's in the team for. I think um, we, we've now established that, that Song goes the ball winner. Jagaraga does a little bit of everything. He can win the ball back. He can he can spray the ball around. He does a fair bit of running. He's a bit of a box spot midfielder. And, and Fox sort of picks the ball up off those two once they've won it back and is able to spray those kinds of passes around when he's got time and space to do so. And that was the mistake that Bradford made. And I chatted to Stuart McCall after the match and, and he said it was a very good, well, well-worked goal from Argyle's point of view. Some very, very good passes from Bradford's point of view it was very sloppy defending mm. and he was very very upset with the way they defended that which I think means they basically gave Fox far too much time and space so for him to pick out Ainsworth Ainsworth had the pace to, to make the most of that pass and like I say it's, it's across the goal and again the defenders should do better but Jervis is the right place at the right time to, to, to uh, just slide in but is that type of goal that Argos scored quite a few times last season very fast pace Chris mm. yeah if you want to get into wide positions it was a good ball winning from Lionel Ainsworth and you know Jake Jervis is going to um, 
it was a, a case where he could use his pace and his, his sort of physical stature to get on the end of the cross and, and make a nuisance of himself. I mean, you know, Jake Jervis, as I've said earlier um, in the podcast here today, is that he's not your archetypal target man. He's not going to play with his back to goal, hold the ball up like Orion Taylor, um, you know, hold the ball up, lay it off and things like that. But... Um, you know he does give you that option with the pace, and um, he, he. If you again, again look at the TV highlights, he basically started the move uh, with a good touch, um, played it back to Dia Garaga, Dia Garaga onto Fox, then to Ainsworth. So um, you know, I, I still think that Jake Jervis's best position is out wide mm-hmm. on the right in a in a four two three one or a four one four one. Doing what Ainsworth did. Doing what Ainsworth did. Yeah, and he basically. scored a lot of goals in that position, hasn't um, he, over the few years? But you know, he's he's doing a he's doing a decent job for the team up front. Uh, the manager um, made that point. Uh, Jake Jervis was doing a good job for the team, and um, yeah, goals are, do wonders for people's confidence. And you know, now that Jake's done that, I thought he went on and put in a really good shift on on Saturday and you know hopefully he can take that into the next few games and Jack says here the coaches have not convinced me they had the method right yet hopefully more team attacks will now come well, the lack of goals worrying you at all or? well you know it's, it's you know they're unbeaten in six so it's not going that badly um, you know people have got strong opinions on the tactics um, and you know as we've said before on the podcast you know I think everyone would like to see Argyle play more attacking football but not at the expense of results and the results at the moment are, are six unbeaten five unbeaten in the league um, you've got to start building from a base we, again we've said this before haven't we Baron you know you, when they were in this really bad run of form how do you turn it around clean you sheet. defend clean sheet if you keep clean sheet you're not going to lose and they've got a couple of draws now they've got two wins out of the last three at Wimbledon and um, <coughs> at Bradford never easy places to go either of those sort of places so um, they're building up. You know, I, I, I'm not sure that we're going to see a sudden um, expansive football breaking out. I think you know, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. They're going to try and play this way. Teams, I mean, Bradford. Bradford knew exactly what Argyle were going to do on Saturday, but they still couldn't overcome it. And you know, Argyle will, I think, try and ride this sort of little run of form as long as they can. And Michael Patches asks, how will Derek Adams approach the FA Cup match versus Bradford? Same again or surprise him and play more offensively? As we've spoken about, we're going up there in three weeks' time. Will it be same again? Um, yes. I think um, I think with the, the group of players that Adams has got at his disposal, I don't think it's going to be vastly different in three weeks. Ryan Taylor may well play himself into a bit of form by them, but I think if Ryan Taylor came in, they'd play the same way. I think I think they will. I think they'll go up there, do exactly as they did before, and ask Bradman to break them down. I mean, they couldn't do it in 90 minutes uh, on Saturday. They go up there again and ask them to do it all over again. I mean, I don't think. I mean, Adam said that he felt that Bradford ran out of ideas. I mean, it, there, was, there was a sense of that. I mean, like, as, I, as I've already said, I, I couldn't see Bradford scoring, but as we well know, it could well be different. I think the, the trouble Argyle are going to have is when they start conceding that first goal again yeah. because then they are going to have to come out and they are, then we are going to get worried about the goals again but for the moment they effectively scored what was their only real attack pro- proper attack really with that, with that Jervis goal and, and they, you know, they got away with it to be honest I mean they scored the goal um, and then defended for their lives I mean at some point they are going to come under some serious pressure they're going to concede one or two the ball is going to, is going to fall right for one of the opposition players and then we're going to see we're going to see a real test of them. But for the moment, you know, we enjoy it whilst we can. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be hard to avoid it being feeling a bit flat in that FA Cup game against Bradford. Because I know for me, if I was not defence, I mean, I'm not a professional footballer for, for a number of reasons. But for me, I would feel as though I've gone to all that effort and, it, and it, I've 
work myself into the ground with exhaustion to win three points at a place like that you're going to go up there in the same surroundings and expect to, to deliver that kind of performance and do it all over again and I would just feel as if like, I don't feel like I should have to do it all over again I've done it once I've had that winning feeling and I think you know if, if let's say Paul Taylor's long range efforts go in I mean then it's a very different game so I think I think Adams will do the same I don't think Argyle can play many different ways at the moment um, it'll be up to Bradford to bring the innovation the crowd will be a lot smaller you know, yeah, like the 20,000 there I think it was 4,900 or something when they played Chesterfield in the first round of the Cup at Valley Parade so you know the crowd's going to be a lot smaller um, same again I'll surprise them well you know when you've won 1-0 I, I wouldn't you know imagine things changing too much um, you know Michael touches on the point play more offensively you know and, and this is the, the thing isn't it there's lots of fans I know and I respect their opinions completely want to see I'll play more attacking football but um Put yourself in the manager's shoes. You've just gone up there, put in a tremendous defensive performance. Yes, there was a little bit of luck. Bradford hit the bar twice, um, and they needed to keep it to save a penalty. But they've won one nil. You know why? Why are you going to have a different approach? You could say, "Oh, you surprised them," but Argyle's strongest way of playing a game is quite clearly defending. And Barron's touched on the point: the first goal is crucial. Yeah. You look in the first two months of the season, Argyle kept conceding the first goal, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Time after time after time. Well, um, we lost count, wasn't it? Seven or eight games in a row, they conceded the first goal, and they didn't win. The last six games, they scored the first goal in every game, and they've either won or drawn. So, the the, the where we are now is Argyle are playing um, with effectively four defenders and three very, not very, but defensive-minded midfield players, and are relying on Carey and on Saturday the the, the, the pace of Ainsworth and Jervis to nick a goal or two. I can't see it being any different in the in the FA Cup. And you mentioned to surprise them, but you, as you said, Stuart McCall knew exactly how our goal went out this time yeah. and it didn't stop them from getting three points. Uh, it's, it's, no, you quite often know roughly how mm. teams going to play, but actually stopping them from doing what you want them to do is a very different matter. And um, you know, like I say, it, the, the tactics have been such a such a, a, a source of uh, conversation and debate, haven't they? But um, at the moment, when you're unbeaten in six, I, I don't see Derek Adams doing very much different. One question I want to quickly put to you, Baron. You spoke to Stuart McCall after the game, mm. and he praised our goal's defence. He did, yeah. Honest words or, or mind games? Yeah, he was. What he, he really came across well, Stuart McCall. Really got a lot of time for him after what I saw on Saturday. I think he's. Uh, when you come away from these big stadiums, and these these fan bases don't give you much of a chance, and uh, the booze rang out on Saturday. Mm. I mean, Bradford are third in the table, and there was booze because they hadn't beaten one of the the struggling sides in the division at home, and. The fans do get on your back and you've got to have broad shoulders and Stuart McCall's a bit of a Bradford legend. This is his second managerial spell so I think he knows how to deal with that. I think he's been in the game a long time and I think he, he's happy to give credit where it's due. You know, I think there's one or two comments Adams made that, that McCall were, that were put to McCall and he could have rise, rose to them but he didn't. He was, he was very, very um, dignified. Mm. And, and Chris and I were saying that people can easily forget that defending is a valid way of playing football. You know, it's not all about attacking and, and you, you're not necessarily a better team because you play attacking football. You know, I think I think there's there should be a bit more stock put in good defending, which is what we saw on Saturday from Argyle. I think Stuart McCall said that, you know, he said we knew how they were gonna play, we, we played the way we wanted to play, but they were better than us. You know, they did defending better than we did attacking. So I think you know he was very, very gracious and I think he didn't go beyond saying, "Well, let's see if we run out of ideas in the cup." I mean, that was pretty much as, as antagonistic as he got. I think he was, he was very, very gracious in defeat. Well, they certainly come up against each other a fair few times in the past. They have, yeah. And just finally, Oxford, obviously, this weekend, um, Chris, you've done a bit something about Curtis Nelson. Obviously, won't be back after an injury. What, what do you expect from Oxford this weekend? Yeah, it's a shame. It sounds as though Curtis Nelson's going to miss out. 
Um, sounds like he's got an Achilles injury that uh, forced him out of there. Two-one home defeat by Northampton. I think uh, Oxford are not the best of run of form mm-hmm. at the moment. Uh, they're on uh, a, a bit of a sticky run of form. Um, Argyle at home, you know, it's can they get that first goal? Um, if Oxford come down and get the first goal, they've got some good attacking players. Oxford, we've seen the difficulties that Argyle have had at home, but they're unbeaten in six. They're on a good form. If, if they could. Uh, We've got Oxford and Northampton, haven't they, next Tuesday as well. So two home games in a row. You know, if if you could get four points from those two games, um, you know, things would be uh, be pretty decent, I think, really, wouldn't they, Barry? Yeah, I think so. Six would be fantastic, but, you know... Um, yeah, I think... Um, if you could get four, that would be... Uh, it's, it's obviously keep a good the unbeaten run going. It's obviously a good time to play Oxford, isn't it? Yeah. I think um, they're a very, very good side on paper and will do well in the, in the league this year, but this is a perfect time to play them and... We said several weeks ago, didn't we, that, that, that uh, the Northampton game was going to be very, yes. very big. And unfortunately for us, Northampton seems to be mirroring Argyle's mm. surging form. So that I mean, that could be an absolute. It could be a cracker or quite boring on Tuesday. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't think either side. Chris and I were sort of joking mm. that neither side's going to want the ball because at the risk of being <laughs> countered. So yeah. I think I mean that will be fat. I mean, this may well be on Argyle because they're the home side. But I mean, that would be brilliant under the lights on Tuesday night. I think Adams and the players will really need a good turnout from the home fans on Tuesday because that, that's effectively a six-pointer even at this stage of the season. We'll say we'll look, look quite different after two very quick games. Massively, yeah. Well, thanks very much for everyone that's sent in questions. We do appreciate it. Um, we'll be back again next Monday where we uh, hopefully look back on, on another decent result for Argyle. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.